Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hi, welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. This is your host, David Begin, and with me today, I've got Ted Yaman Jr. from Gallup Brush. Ted's one of those individuals that was actually born into the car wash. I don't think he was born in a car wash, but was born in the car wash industry. He comes from a family of car washers. Um, He started working in car washes and uh, has kind of had an illustrious career, which has kind of led up to his position right now as director of sales for Gallup Brush. Um, Ted's very, very passionate about helping car wash owners and operators make sure they both save time and money by helping them produce the highest quality brushes, cores, and doors uh, for the car wash industry. So Ted right now is uh, on the board of the International Car Wash Association as a vendor director. He's married to his wife, Robin, for the last 12 years, and they have three children. He likes to golf, fish, and spend time with his family and donate his time to the car wash industry. So Ted, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate you being on. Thanks, David. I really, uh, I'm really excited to be on as well. Yeah, yeah, good, good. So you come from a long line of car wash people. Give us some background of how uh, your family got in the car wash business. How long have you been in it? What did your dad do? Was there other relatives involved? And then tell me how that has kind of evolved into uh, Gallup Brush. Sure. Um, Probably back in the mid-50s, my family is from Detroit, and my grandfather had decided, hey, I can wash cars. So one day he... uh, got together with a cousin and they opened up one of the first hand washes in the Detroit area. And that was kind of where the guys stood in the pit and washed the cars. They went by, of course, over the years that evolved to the tunnel wash. And then he had six children, all, all but two of those kids ended up in the industry. Oh man. And one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, one's an attorney and the other one owns a printing company. So they're, they're doing just fine. Good. <laughs> so. Good. But uh, yeah, so my father um, ended up with some of those car washes and we had gas stations and uh, I was born and it was just likely that someone in my family would end up with my father. And as it turns out, uh, myself, my brother and my sister are all part of the industry. So it's kind of a funny story. Back in the late 90s, the company where we used to buy our brushes from guy's name was Graham Ashley. He had stopped by and he said to my dad, it was on Christmas Eve. He says, "Uh, Ted, Ted, I'm thinking about getting out of the industry. Would you be interested in buying my business? And my dad had said to him, Graham, it's Christmas Eve. I don't have time for this. Please come back in the new year. (laughs) So, so, I mean, it's Christmas Eve. I don't know if he was like, you know, lamenting over his life or he had too much to drink that night and decided to make a call or it'd be interesting to know why he decided Christmas Eve would be a good time for that. I have no idea. Yeah. But you know, um, I don't know if you guys are open on Christmas Eve, but we always were. And it was, it was a busy, busy day. So yeah. 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 We, we, we stay open and I think we close early afternoon. So we let our employees off, but yeah, there, there are people that, uh, you know, will work. You know, a lot of people like to wash their cars because they're about, I think, because they're about to travel and they want to travel in a clean car. So I think that's why we're busy. So we would stay open until early afternoon and uh, it's very busy. And, 
you know, my father forgot that Graham had ever even stopped by. And then uh, Christmas comes and goes, New Year's comes and goes. And then mid-January, Graham stops by the car wash and says, hey, Ted, Ted Sr. says, hey, uh, did you think about wanting to buy my company because I'm going to retire? And he says, oh, my gosh, I forgot all about it. What, what do you have? He says, well, I've got a storage unit worth of raw material, an old sewing machine, a hand cutting machine, and that's about it. <laughs> so, oh, man. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, I do know what drove my father was he had been washing cars for 50 years and was just getting tired of it. Uh, we were pumping gas at the time and Michigan winters are pretty difficult. So he said, why not? So they decided on some, settled on some kind of a price. And my brother and I went to work in the garage, putting up insulation and electricity, drywall and a heater. And, uh, my dad would work at the car wash during the day and on his way home, he would stop at a few places, you know, his friends places. And we'd get an order here or an order there and he'd come home and give them to us. And between my, uh, my family, my mother and I, we, we put these brushes together. Wow. Wow. And, so uh, a true garage business. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, 300 square feet. Oh my goodness. So that, <laughs> so, that, that, that was back in the 1990s. That was, that was, Feb, that was in February of 2000. Oh, February 2000. Okay. So it wasn't too, too yeah, long it, ago. No, no. We, uh, we're, we just turned 18 about uh, six months ago. Okay. Okay. Terrific. And then when, when did you move into your larger facilities? So after, after two years, I, you know, I don't, don't know for sure. A year or two after working in the garage, we moved, we moved into a 2000 square foot building. And then a couple of years after that, we expanded to 4,000 and then 6,000 and then down the road to 14,000 and all these buildings we were leasing. Okay. And uh, we moved into our current space, which is 32,000 square feet. Oh my goodness. Uh, we, yeah, we bought that back in March of 2012. It's just about full. Good, good. That's it's interesting, kind of that growth curve there. So, so you've got family members you work with. So, what does each family member do? I, I, I know what you do because I always call you for for cloth. But what do the other other members of the family do? Well, my father is the owner of this company. My mom and my dad, for the most part, he does all of our innovations, decides on what kind of prototypes that we're going to do. Uh, my sister is here, Elizabeth. Uh, she directs our human resources, office management, and runs our shipping department. And then my brother is also here. He is director of operations and runs our accounting department. Okay, good. So everybody's got a hand in pretty much the family's got pretty much the whole span of responsibility as far as the businesses are concerned. Yeah, as far as the front office is concerned, management is concerned. Um, we control everything in those aspects. We do have, obviously front office administration. We have an accountant and a director of marketing. And then on the floor, in the production floor, there's three supervisors that manage their independent areas. Okay. So how, how many total employees do you have now? Uh, today we have 32. 32. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good. Good. 
Well, what are some of the advantages? I can think of some of the advantages. What are some of the challenges? Well, I could probably think of both, but I'll let you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can. Some of the challenges are is that you see your mom and dad every day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Are, are they are they mom and dad or are they Mr. and Mrs. Owner? No, they're mom and dad. Okay. Um, okay. It's it's really, I think, I'm sure there's more than one family that's like this, but uh, my family in particular is able to separate business from personal. And Good. so while we're here, it's business. And although we may get angry at each other or, you know, have differences of opinion, it hasn't ever affected our personal life when we go home. That's good. So that's that's the biggest challenge to make sure that you can separate that. Uh, but as far as advantages go, well, hey, I get to see my family every day. So yeah, it's that's uh, a really good thing. We all have the same schedule, so we're always around for the holidays. You know, I would be able to tell my kids someday that I worked with their grandfather, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. That's great. No, that that's terrific. I think if it does work, it's the greatest thing in the world. If it's not working, I'm sure it's probably the most miserable thing in the world. But when when it works, it's got to be great. Yeah, sure. I've seen, I've seen plenty of families have trouble, and yeah. plenty of families succeed. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Good, good. So you got 32 employees. So let's talk about the floor. So what if we went and visited your factory? What would I see on the floor? I, I don't. I will tell you, I'm always amazed like when I tour car wash uh, operations and look at the cloth making uh, part of it. I, I always underestimate what has to be done in that area. And there's a lot of work that's got to be done. But if we went to your factory floor, what will we be seeing? Well, uh, first, you're going to see all of our raw materials. Um, everything that we do here starts with raws and we produce it right to the finished product. So if you came here for a tour, I would start at the cloth manufacturing section of our plant mm -hmm. and uh, explain to you how we convert those large master rolls into smaller rolls. And then from there, how we take the smaller rolls and sheet those into blanks. And then what we do with the blanks and then all the different processes that they go through before they go to the sewing machines. And then once they pass the sewing machines, um, they go into packaging. And then from there, we would we would go through the foam side, the foam brush making side of the factory. And, uh, you know, you would see our foam was in these giant blocks. I would show you how we split them down into smaller sheets and then cut those sheets into smaller blanks. And again, take those blanks through the factory. Uh, until they become a brush and end up at the sewing machine and into packaging. Okay. So when, when you talk about blocks, so let's talk about foam for a second. So do they come in a square block and you kind of shave them off like you're shaving ham off a, a big piece of ham or? Yeah, that's actually the best way to put it. Um, they're rectangular. Okay. And uh, it's essentially a machine that slices the foam into thinner sheets. Okay. And um, with that ability uh, for Gallup, that gives our customers versatility as to what kind of brushes they may want to buy. Uh, 
maybe the brush you have now isn't as durable. So you could let me know and we could talk about maybe making the brush a little bit thicker. Okay. Um, some companies don't have that um, capability and we happen to have it. So that gives us a bit of an edge. Okay. Um, this, you know, so yes. So is it, is it an automated process or is it still very much a manual process? No, it's still very much a manual process. Uh, three operators to run that machine. Pretty much everything in the factory is manual. Um, I mean, the machines aren't manual, right. but uh, uh, it, it, it takes hands-on. Hands-on. takes a good operator. Okay. So there, there's a certain skill level that's needed there. So what, what, when you hire somebody and train them, what are the skill sets you're looking for and what do they develop into when they're, they're sewing? Well, um, well, if they're sewing, we're actually looking for people that have experience with sewing. Okay. That's just not a, a real easy thing to do. But uh, for the most part, when we hire, uh, we're looking for positive attitudes, high school educations, the ability to read rulers, some pretty good common sense. And then from there, uh, we will run them through a training uh, process within the facility and they will slowly work their way through station to station to station and uh, cross-trained on everything so that if we have people out, that other people can do their jobs. Um, but for the most part, we take everybody from zero and help mold them into the position that they would like at the factory. We promote hiring and promoting from within. So it's a uh, Pretty good place to work. Okay, good, good. Yeah, that's good. It is like the car wash industry too, where we're taking people that are generally don't have experience in it, and we train them from the bottom up to to be good car wash uh, managers and operators and loaders and things like that. So yeah, that there's some some commonality there. So um yeah. So I'm going to ask you, well, what do you like to call cloth? I mean, I, I hear all types of different terms. And I hear people using the terms brushes. So um, we're putting in new brushes and it makes me crazy when I hear that because I, I, I know. think of, we've talked about it. Before. I, I think about the movie uh, Car Wash, you know, in, in the 1980s, when you you look at the, the actual, you know, plastic brushes that were used in car washes and people still like to use that term. And it's a common term. I always like to use a different term. But what if you were to what what, what do you like to call it? Um, unfortunately we still call them brushes. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's in your name. Yeah. It, it, it's in the name. It, 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 it's in the name. Um, and there is still a market today for those plastic brushes you're talking about. Okay. Uh, I always have people ask me when I'm at a trade show, what is this here for? <laughs> um, so but <laughs> what, what applications use, I would think industrial applications, but what, what are some applications that you still use brushes as we think of it? Sure. As for the most part, it's an industrial uh, transit truck, okay. bus washes. Yeah. Um, but there are uh, places in the tunnel that they're used, uh, particularly the middle section of the lower part of a wraparound. Okay. Okay. And and you and you find those in states where they have a high high population of pickup truck owners. Okay. Okay. So they're, they're running around with their trailer hitches. Car wash operator doesn't typically like to remove them. So this plastic nylon brush is highly durable for something like a trailer hitch. Got it. 
Okay. And we've had that material in our wraps before. And I don't know why we don't have it right now. I don't know why we took it out. But yeah, we, we put that in there. It's a maybe a six-inch section in the wrap that, and, it, it, and I didn't think of those as brushes I didn't because I don't think of them as being really stiff. I but, mean, today, we generally call our cloth brush, uh, trade name would be uh, non-fade cloth. Okay. Uh, and our foam is G-Flex foam but they always end with brush. So, okay. Okay. But uh, the other term I've heard, which I like is wash media. I think you've used that term. Before, oh yes. Before. Yep. I have used wash media. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Because like it, it, it kind of spans the entire, the entire range of different types of cloth. And then, um, you know, but it also, it's a nice, you know, it's a nice sounding term uh, because we get people at the car wash who ask us, do you use brushes, you know, or is there brushes in the car wash? I go, well, no, there's not brushes. There's cloth. And I try to say, well, there's soft cloth or there's foam to kind of dispel the myth that, you know, cloth is going to scratch your car or tear up your car. Right. So I always try to use those those terms. And, and so I, I've always shied away from brushes because to me, it feels like there's a connotation there. So I, I, um, I don't I don't disagree with you. I just think that it's at least for me, um, it's just what it's always been called. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think for a lot of people in the industry, it's just what it's always been called. But we have a new generation coming into our industry, so maybe there will be a change. And I, I think it's probably good within the industry. I don't think it matters as much. I think when you're talking to your customer, maybe that's where it matters. I think for the for yeah, for between you and me, we understand what, what we're talking about. But if you were talking to one of your retail clients, I, I could see where that would be. That could, that could prove to have some extra questions coming on the end of it. Yeah. So let's talk about cloth technology. I'm sure you've seen changes over the years as, as it's kind of evolved. What, how has cloth technology evolved? What, what, what do you guys look for when you're buying your cloth? Well, you know, do you, do you have special places you like to buy it? What are some things that you've seen over the years change? Oh, uh, sure. Um, well, speaking in terms of wash media, um, there's always been the nylon brush, which was one of the first brushes. And then the soft cloth came out. That's a product that's been around for at least 40 years. Surprisingly today, that soft cloth brush, at least the product or raw material that we buy, um, it's, it is our favorite. Um, it's been tested and proven for decades. But when we look at this product, when it comes off the truck or when we're getting ready to produce it, the things that we're looking for is the density of the fibers, the thickness of the material. We want to make sure that there isn't any kind of debris within the product. So those are, those are just things from a quality perspective that we'll look at when we're getting them. Um, but for the most part, uh, there hasn't been much advancement that we've seen that's increased the cleanability of the product that we already have. There okay. are, yeah, there are other products on the market. Don't get me wrong. Um, I won't say anything bad about any of them, uh, but the one that we use now we feel is the best based on the testing that we've done with the other products in the industry. There are, okay. yeah, there's uh there's uh, multiple types of foam products that are out there. Uh, the one that we use is one that we've been using for the last 
probably 16 years of the 18 years we've been in business. And the formulation of that foam is something that we work very, very closely uh, with our supplier and their chemists on to produce. We went, mm-hmm. through, yeah, we went through a number of trials. And so the product we have is specific to Gallup Brush. Um, it actually is not used outside of the car wash industry at all. It's made just for us. Okay. So although there are other products on the market and some of them are good, likewise, we just feel, feel that ours is the best. Okay, good. Yeah, we'll get into that. So the different types of options that are available, I know a lot of decisions have to be made when you're putting in cloth, when you're building your car wash for the first time. Do you want to go all foam? Do you want to go cloth and foam or do you want to go all cloth? What are some decision points that you think people need to make? I mean, are, are those are pretty much the cloth options right now is those two? Well, yes, the cloth and the foam brush are the only two options. Okay. Really within the industry, those are the only two options, unless you're a touchless, but we don't, okay. we don't like, we don't like touchless car wash. Yeah. yeah there's not much sales <laughs> in touchless, but if you were going to, so if you're going to make a decision, how do you make a decision on how you mix and match your tunnel when it comes to cloth versus foam? Right. Speaking from an operator's perspective, if I were to build a tunnel today, I would traditionally want only foam. That's my that's my personal opinion simply because the foam brush does not absorb water and so it cannot hold debris. And debris is what can cause scratching on the surfaces of the vehicle. Now that said, uh, where I live and work, it's a very rural area, uh, lots and lots of dirt roads. The foam brush may not be the best option for this neighborhood. So what I would do if I were to build a wash here is I would have a couple sets of cloth brushes in the beginning of the wash that I would use to cut the dirt. And then I would use the foam brushes to finish the vehicle through the tunnel. In this situation, you're going to have to do a lot of prepping, but that's, that is the best way to clean a car in a rural area. Okay. So does, does cloth have a more of a grabbing property to it? Does it grab the dirt better? Yes, it does because it can absorb. It's the water molecule that holds the debris. And because water or the cloth product can absorb water, it just naturally transfers into the surface of the product and it stays there until it's washed out. Uh, It doesn't always have the ability to scratch a car, but uh, the potential for damage is there. Okay. Now that's, yeah, but that said though, David, we have been washing cars with the cloth products for decades and really it boils down to, even with foam products, the amount of lubrication that you have on your vehicle, as far as your chemistry goes, if you're using cloth brushes that you have rinse nozzles pointed at them so that they're always being washed off uh, where the foam brush is always spinning. So the centrifugs throw any kind of debris off from there. Okay. So both very good products. The other reason I would choose foam over a cloth product is for marketing. And I don't think a lot of, when I tell people that, I don't think they know what I'm talking about. But if you had a tunnel that was foam from front to back, you could actually use that to market against your competition. Okay. And, and it would be easy to hand a piece of foam to your customer and hand a cloth product to your customer and ask them, which one would you want touching your car? Okay. 
and it's pretty easy for them to decide the foam. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like one big factor here on cleaning and making sure the cloth is doing what it's supposed to be doing is lubricity. So making sure you get plenty of soap. But we've been in situations before at our wash where we weren't putting enough soap on uh, the low sides or the rocker rocker panels or whatever you want to call them. Um, and, you know, and it, it, it was it was causing some problems because we just didn't have enough water or lubricity put on those cloth, pieces of cloth. So that, that's a big component of when you get your tunnel set up. Are you cleaning the cloth? Are you spraying it down? But also, are you putting enough lubricity or soap before the cloth to make sure that that cloth glides properly over the car? Absolutely. The gliding is what's going to prevent damage. And also, the gliding will that the the lubricity reduces friction reduced friction increases the life okay. of your brush brushes are yeah brushes are consumable and everything that you can do to extend the life of that brush is a good thing yeah yeah there there are people out there that don't believe that brushes are consumables and when you go through their tunnel it's pretty obvious that yeah, they don't believe I know. that um but uh so if, if you, so what are some ways you would recommend? So I'm, I, you know, cloth is, it's not cheap, it's expensive and it's, it is a consumable. So what do you do to try to get the most life out of your cloth? And how do you, how do you recommend people maintain the cloth in the tunnel? The best way to extend the life of your cloth or foam media is simply to keep it clean. Make sure that you have good lubrication on the vehicles. Cause as I explained before, more lubrication equals less friction. And also make sure that the settings on your brushes or on your equipment is appropriate for that style of brush. Too much pressure can cause excessive wear, and that will happen on both cloth or foam medias. Okay, that's a, that, that's a great point. One of the questions I was going to ask you was, the, the, so when you look at you look at a set of wraps or you look at uh, you know some, some mid-sides or high-sides, I'm always looking at how, like if my cloth, I'm going to say is 18 inches. Is that a reasonable length yeah. for a yep. piece of cloth? Okay. So 18 inches, how much of that is actually touching the car? So is, is six inches, is eight inches, is 12 inches hitting that car? And all that's a function of pressure. So the more pressure I put on the piece of equipment, the, the deeper that cloth goes into the car. So I'm, I'm using 12 inches of cleaning instead of six inches. But... There's a risk to that, which I think is then you have too much pressure and can you have too much cloth on the car and is that create, does that make it susceptible to damage, to creating damaged cars? Yes, absolutely it is. Um, the cloth, so let's define the cloth media versus the foam media. If you can imagine the cloth being like a washcloth in your sink, it's got uh, a bit of an abrasive property to it. It's what allows you to, to mm -hmm. scrub that dried on piece of ketchup off the plate. Uh, you can use all surfaces of the washcloth to do that. You can do the exact same thing with your cloth brush that you have in your tunnel. So when it comes to how deep the brush can go into the car, um, you can clean with all those surfaces. However, too much pressure will cause excessive wear and can potentially damage the vehicle. The cloth product can get caught in between moldings moldings off vehicles. It can get caught in between the bumper and the fender and pull off front right. fascias. Uh, it can also happen with the side view mirrors. The foam product, on the other hand, 
that surface, contrary to the cloth, is very, very smooth. Too much pressure with a foam brush will not clean the car better than a cloth brush because the surface of the foam brush is smooth. With the foam brush, you only want to clean with the tips. So the deep, the deepest you want to get into the surface of the vehicle is somewhere between four and six inches with the foam brush. Otherwise, uh, you'll defeat the purpose of having it and you'll actually turn out uh, a worse car at the end of the wash. Okay, so let me make sure I understand. So what's, what's the depth you recommend on, was it foam or cloth? On foam brushes, I will recommend as, mu as much as six and as little as four. Okay. I would also recommend that same setting for cloth, but if you get deeper than six, you can still get a good clean car because of the surface of the, because of the abrasive nature of the material, but no more than eight. Uh, now you start to get outside of the fingers that are in that brush and you get too much pressure on the vehicle and it can start to grab. Okay, okay, good point. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Car Washing podcast with an exciting announcement. My co-host David Begin and I have designed a task management system for our car wash business. It helps us manage all of the operational tasks at our wash locations, like repair work orders, scheduled maintenance, and all of the checklists that we use to keep the wash running smoothly. We call it the Car Wash Operating System, and it helps us manage our operations so that we can drive maximum performance in our business. We are now offering the Car Wash Operating System to other wash owners. If you're looking for ways to improve your operations by reducing downtime and reducing maintenance costs, then we invite you to learn more about our affordable solution at carwashos.com. The Car Wash Operating System is a task management software solution designed to help you manage your operational tasks so that you can drive maximum performance at your wash business. Again, to find out more about the Car Wash Operating System, please visit carwashos.com. I got a couple questions wrapped into one here. So the first one is, when I look at a brand new piece of cloth, I got a big section of it that's all put together, and then I've got a section of it that looks like the fingers that you described. Mm -hmm. So how do you guys cut that cloth? I mean, I'm sure nobody sits there with scissors and gets it all perfectly mm -hmm. right. And then what? how do you determine... The, the disc, how many, so if we talk 18 inches, it's an 18 inch piece of cloth. How do you determine how long the fingers are and why? Well, um, first the way that we, the way that we cut the fingers into the brush products is a secret. So it's uh, something that I'm not willing to share. Okay, however, uh, however, the determination of the length of the finger versus the header so there's some terminology for all of your future brush purchases is what size is your header? And the header is the part of the brush that is uncut. We determine that length based on where that brush goes in the cores that are holding the brushes. Okay. So for, in, so for instance, uh, a wraparound. Wraparounds, wraparound brushes are typically contoured to the shape of the vehicle. So toward the center of that brush, it's going to have a smaller overall diameter, and then it will slowly taper out 
to where it has a larger overall diameter. As those diameters get bigger, the header of the brush gets bigger. And that is simply to help keep the wash material rigid and parallel to the floor. Okay. And then, and then toward the bottom of the brush, the rocker panel area of brushes, at least on wraps, that section is going to have a much smaller header because we want to allow the bottom of the brush to come into the car so that the top of the brush can get into the top of the car and do its job. Interesting. Okay. So there, there, there is, there is some science between how big the header is and the versus the fingers. Yeah. Yes. And the one thing yeah. we didn't talk about too, and I see this as, you know, like going to different car washes, I see different variations is the speed in which the equipment spins. Uh, do, do you recommend right. speeds or obviously the faster it goes, what are the advantages and disadvantages versus slower speeds? So with a cloth brush, um, typically your speed is only about 60 RPMs. Every manufacturer is going to have their own set of specifications. I think it's important that you follow what your manufacturer tells you. Uh, simply because they've tested this product and they know how the equipment will react based on certain RPMs. However, if you decide to uh, experiment a little bit, the faster you run a cloth brush has to be uh, coordinated with the way the equipment is controlled. If you run it fast, and you're not able to keep the equipment off the car, you're right. going to damage a car. That goes without, that just goes without question. If you're going to run it fast and you can keep the brush depth, you know, pretty steady throughout the cleaning, then the, I call it brush time. The more brush time you can get on a car, the cleaner you can, or the okay. quicker you can clean the vehicle. But but if you're not careful, you're going to run the, for like a wraparound, you're going to run that over the back of the car. Yeah. It's going to climb the hood of the and that's vehicle. that's not a good day. <laughs> also, with, that is not a good day, you know. And then if if you run that cloth brush quicker, one of the negative negatives to cloth is that it's very loud, especially on the backs of flat windows like pickup trucks, pickup beds, or SUVs, minivans. So you have to be cognizant of that. Because some there are consumers out there who will get scared, and then there are other consumers out there who will think you're right. damaging their car because of the noise. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, if people ask, typically with a cloth product, it's sixty, but always refer back to your owner's manual. Yeah, and the it's something. Foam, it's, yeah. it's something you should check too. I mean, it's something you want to put in your maintenance processes of checking that periodically, whether it's once a quarter or once a month, just. And the way we do it, I'll just give a recommendation, but we get a long zip tie and we zip tie it to the shaft and it sticks out pretty far. We can count, you know, we can look at the end of that zip tie. We can count the number of times that we can time it, the number of times it goes around in 10 seconds and or six seconds and right. either times it by six or by 10 or whatever. And you can yep, you do can, the math. Yeah, get a pretty quick thing, but that's a really easy way to kind of check your RPMs. It is important because for whatever reason, those things get out of whack and... You know, all of a sudden your right side or your passenger side spinning at, you know, 120 RPM and your driver's side spinning at 40 and, you know, you're, you're not getting a consistently clean car. 
Right, right. And potentially causing damage or, like you said, not cleaning the vehicle. Right. So you were about to now the, go into foam there. Yeah. What? Yes. The, the foam brushes, now those are, those I can elaborate a little bit more on. Um, again, going back to your owner's manual and what the manufacturer would recommend. Uh, but normal RPM for a foam brush is somewhere between 85 and 110. How we like to determine that or how we would ask you to determine what speed you need is to turn on the brush and continue to increase that speed until the very top row of your brush is parallel with the floor. It, it does you no good in, with a foam product to have that sagging. Right. And, the ease, and you, so you want to you wanna stand that off. And then, of course, um, that would be your starting point for your RPM. And you have to, again, make sure that you have good lubrication. And let me say something about lubrication. There is a difference between suds and slippery. So just because you're throwing a lot of bubbles at it doesn't mean you have good lubrication. Um, most chemical suppliers know what the difference is and can help people with that. That's a great point. That's a great point. So if you look at shaving cream foam, for example, if you look at, you know, which we like to produce that sometimes when you look at it, shaving cream foam doesn't have a lot of lubricity to it because there's so much air in it. Right. Where, where maybe, maybe you, you know, you just spray soap on and you got, you know, it's not as thick and it's, you know, the shell isn't as great as maybe a, a lava, lava foam or, uh, triple foam, but it might have a lot more lubricity characteristics to it. So yeah, I, I certainly understand that. And that's a great point that we want our listeners to understand is you've got to get lubri lubricity is the key here before it hits the brushes or the cloth, because that's what's going to keep you from scratching cars and keep you from damaging cars. Yes. Good point. Good point. So you you got a couple of new technologies you introduced in the last two years and we're going to talk about your core technology and then I want you to talk about spaghetti cloth and what, what makes that fundamentally different. But let's talk about core technology. What made you decide to develop the core technology and then go into a little detail of what it is? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so as I would say most of your listeners know, the, the brushes are held on the machine by an aluminum core. Um, the aluminum core is bolted to a shaft on the outside of the aluminum core are a series of channels and the brushes slide into those channels. So over the years, the way or the fastening method that's used in those channels has changed originally and still done today, uh, is a method where we fold a piece of cloth over a rod and stitch that rod into the cloth. When you do that, that forms a round end on the brush, which happens to be the matching profile of the channel on the outside of the core. When the core is new and the brush is new, they're very easy to slide in. Yeah, everything's good. Yeah, everything's good. <laughs> but aluminum is a corrosive metal that just does not like the car wash industry. And over time, the brush cloth material bonds to the aluminum. Sometimes you're lucky and you can get them out, sometimes not so much. So when you can't get them out, you have to buy a new core. 
Well, fast forward down the road, car wash industry is saying, we can't get our brushes out. We don't want to buy new cores, come up with something else. So second generation fastener is an extruded plastic clip. So instead of folding over the rod and sewing it in, we attach and stitch on this extruded plastic clip. Mm -hmm. New cores, old cores, plastic clip slides in and out, no problem. However, in order to slide in that plastic clip, the round ball that slides into that channel has to be slightly smaller than the channel. That gap allows dirt and debris and sand to get behind the brush, behind that plastic extruded clip and fill in that channel. Over time, that fastener that holds the brush in moves back and forth and the debris on the backside of it acts like a mild abrasive and aluminum is a very soft metal. Eventually that channel opens up and all your brushes fall out. Yeah. So when, when you say open up, it, it actually, if you, if you kind of cup your hands together and then put a little gap in there, right? Like maybe a two inch gap well, where your fingers are is where it, it rubs out. So it makes that, that gap, it makes it wider and it, it kind of wallows out that channel. I think with the cloth moving back and forth all the time, it just beats on those edges and makes a you know quarter inch gap now a half inch gap. And you're right, the thing falls right out. Right. So we took one problem, solved it, and turned it into another problem. Okay. We we just never really figured out how to make the cores not a consumable product. So fast forward again. The industry is, you know, screaming at Gallup Brush saying, come on, come up with something to, to fix these cores from wearing out because they are expensive. Mm -hmm. So my father, the innovator here, I don't, I don't know if he was thinking about it late evening or if he had a dream, but I remember the day he came to work and said, come here, let's try this. And what we did was we created a plastic sleeve that slides into the aluminum channel, we call that core guard. Mm -hmm. And and then the brush fastener slides into the core guard. The core guard creates a barrier between the aluminum and the plastic fastener that holds the brush in. So we tested it a little bit. We decided that it was going to be something that we want, want to pursue. So we contacted our attorney. We applied for a patent and the United States government was uh, nice enough to grant us that patent. And today, CoreGuard is five years old. The very first prototype, not production, prototype uh, is still in service. Uh, it is a rocker brush at the front of a car wash where the cars are the dirtiest. And it has over 1 million washes on it. And the way we conducted the test is that one side had CoreGuard, one side did not. And the side that did not have CoreGuard was worn out after I don't remember I don't remember how many cars, but in this period of five years, we've replaced that core five times. And the core on the opposite side, all we've done is replace the brushes. Yeah, that's fantastic. So yeah. And in this particular case, those cores are seven hundred dollars per pair. Mm -hmm. And that would have been thirty five hundred dollars in cores and Lord knows how much downtime and 
overtime to replace them. So it's been a pretty cool product. Sure. Yeah, no, it's great. And we were actually, one of our watches is closed this week. We're installing some new equipment and I was looking at the wraps that were laying on the ground. You know, we got all the cloth out of it, but I was looking at it. I was looking at the core guard yesterday thinking, oh, those channels look really, really good. Even the rest of the core, you know, is starting to deteriorate a little bit, but those core channels look great. And so I was just thinking how great that, uh, how incredible that technology was and how much of a difference it's made for us. Well, I appreciate that. It was uh, something, you know, this, this is not a new mousetrap. This is something new and something the industry really needed. Yeah. And to go, and to go to your point about how the channels are in good shape and the core is actually rotting. I think that's, what's going to happen. Yeah. I think <laughs> this <right>. is, a, <laughs> this, this is a living test. Yeah. We, people say, how long is it going to last? I said, I really don't know, but the way it's going, I think the aluminum is going to rot out yeah, first. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it. If, if we haven't taken it to the scrapyard yet, I want to get back over there after our, our interview here. I'll, uh, I'll take a picture and, and send it to you so you can see it. That'd be great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So the other technology developed is called spaghetti cloth. You want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this, the spaghetti brush is, it's a foam wash media. And what we were trying to do with that was replicate the cleaning we used to get decades ago from nylon brushes, but with foam. So through trial and error, uh, we decided on a size of of the finger that the the brush would have. Traditionally, those are as small as three eighths of an inch wide. And um, I've seen them as big as two inches, but that's not very common. So what we settled on was just a little bit over an eighth of an inch by an eighth of an inch. And we call that the spaghetti brush because that finger is just like a spaghetti noodle. Mm -hmm. And by making the tips of that foam very small, we're now able to get into areas uh, on the surface of the vehicle that we couldn't get before with a foam product. Right. And as far as its durability and ability to clean, it's for sure the best brush foam brush that we produce here in our factory. Right. And it also has the advantage of being a little quieter than normal foam. Yeah. Yes, it does because it's so well, there's actually a couple advantages. The sound of that brush is it's much quieter. And that's just simply because it's so flexible. It takes the shape of the vehicle's surface so well that it eliminates a lot of sound. But I think more importantly, because the material is so flexible, damage claims have gone down significantly. Mm-hmm. One example that we have been given was a, a brand new tunnel, a ground up facility. I won't mention what kind of equipment they bought, but they bought the equipment without any wash media on it. They had used ours in the past. And in this tunnel, they decided to go with the spaghetti brush from the front to the back. And uh, we had got a phone call. They had been open for nine months and we'd gotten a phone call from the owner. And he says, Ted, I broke a mirror. And I'm thinking, you know, oh no, he broke a mirror. He's not happy with what we've produced for him. And I said, oh, geez, I'm sorry about that. He knows, what can I do? And he goes, no, no, no. It's the first mirror in nine months. (laughs) He said, and I can't tell you if it was an old, it may have just been an old mirror. I can't tell you if it was a broken mirror. I just wanted to thank you for nine months of damage-free washing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a great story. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, that's the certainly the advantage of foam. And 
the smaller that finger is, I think the better off you will be as far as its you know ability to grab. So a, a couple more questions and then we'll get into like if people want to contact you or whatever. But when, how do you determine when to replace your cloth? I mean, what are you looking for? The one, one characteristics I see with foam is that the fingertip, it starts turning into a little, like a little V or knife, actually. It looks like a knife. Right. So um, the foam product, that one's pretty easy. Um, you you want to clean with the tips and the edges of these brushes. And if your lubrication is off just a little bit, that friction will cause the edges or the tips like you were describing to wear down. They'll round over. That doesn't necessarily mean that that cloth is ready for replacement, but it's getting close. So after you see something like that starting to happen, what you want to do is to take a pair of scissors, take the end of a brush, just a one inch from the end, two inches from the end, and take a cross section of that. Turn that cross section, look straight down the center of the brush you just cut. Directly in the middle, the foam will be brand new. It will look like the day that you bought it. From there out, you'll start to see a dark ring. That dark ring is how far the water has penetrated the surface of the foam. The closer that dark ring is to the center, the heavier your brush is becoming. The more open-celled it's becoming, the ability to hold debris. Because over time, the foam brush as it's slapping continuously against the surfaces of vehicles, the closed cell structure breaks down and opens up. There just isn't anything that we can uh-huh. do about that. The other reason you would let, you want to start to think about replacing is because it's absorbing the water, it's also gaining weight. And as it gains weight with your current settings, and we're talking about uh, equipment pressures and RPMs, you can get extremely aggressive and start breaking mirrors and antennas, causing some damage. Okay. That, that's a really good point. I'll just, you know, as far as foam, I just never thought that there was any other reason to replace foam until the fingers started falling off. But you brought up a good point is the foam gets saturated and it loses it loses a lot of the properties and abilities that it had in the beginning. And that's what you need to look for to replace. Exactly. And that is especially true for folks that have top brushes. Uh, most top brushes are uh, cantilevered and they're on some kind of a, a balancing counterbalance mechanism. Mm-hmm. And so as that brush breaks down is it becomes heavy. You absolutely won't have a choice, but to replace that one. Great point. And I hadn't thought of that either because we do have top brushes with foam and I just hadn't thought that they could get too saturated. That's probably what, what messes up the balancing mechanisms of the top brush too, is why all of a sudden you're having problems where maybe you didn't have problems six months ago could be that the, the foam is getting more saturated. So, yeah, absolutely. And I will, one of the, one of the common occurrences with that issue is somewhere during the day, they'll notice, you'll notice you have a problem with your balance. Mm-hmm. And so you'll make adjustments to accommodate that. But the next day you don't realize it or aren't thinking about the fact that your brush just dried out overnight. And so now your balance is off even more. Which, which is just, just another, another problem and some, and, and, and another, uh, something else you have to think about when it comes to replacing that brush. Yeah. Great point. I hadn't thought of that to that, that, 
could answer a lot of the questions we have sometimes when we're trying to adjust our top brush. Is there a recommended number of cars or is there any way for you to guess that when it comes to like replacing a top brush or what, what are your, do you have any guidance? Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to give guidance and I'll tell you why I have seen car washes and top brushes last half a million cycles. And then, mm -hmm. and then I've seen, uh, top brushes last 60,000 cycles. Nothing in our manufacturing process changed. Nothing in our raw material has changed. It just happens to be that location. It, okay. it could be the environment. It could be the water. It could be the chemical that they're using. Um, caustic chemicals destroy foam brushes. The weather, the hot and the cold, or a wash that just is very low volume where the material is constantly getting wet, drying out, getting wet, drying out. So, so much so that I've seen chain operators whose sites are identical from front to back, where one site will wear out faster than the other. But I would say a good rule of thumb for brushes is somewhere in the two to 350,000 range. But okay. you can always check your brush with that cross-section. And the closer, yeah. yeah, and the closer you see, or the more you see absorption, then you'll know that you're getting, your time is limited. Good. Okay. Well, that's good information. That's something I hadn't thought about. And I'm going to put that in our checklist to kind of check our cloth, but that is kind of the definitive measurement of, you know, how is your cloth and is it absorbing too much water? Is just that cross cut and taking a look at it and going from there. Yeah. Yep. Good. You know, not to, to sidetrack on that, but there's there are other advantages to having uh, brushes that are lighter. Um, it just goes to preventative maintenance on your machine when it comes to to bearings, motors, shocks. Uh, the lighter the brush, all of that has a has a play in the longevity of those consumable items. Right, right. Yeah, and it, it's it's an interesting. I got to think about now because I I'm a fan of cloth and I like foam and I've got a mixture in my tunnel, so mm -hmm. I've got to think about that trade out. You know, I'm going to lose a little bit of cleaning ability if I go total foam, but maybe that's a better solution longer term. I don't know, and I got to think about okay, our cars here in Colorado are a little bit more. You know, we get we get that magnesium chloride the six of the car, and it's really tough to get off and the 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 the, uh, the low sides do a great job of cleaning and really getting that car looking good. Um, you know, am I am I able to trade that off? So I, I've got to sit down and think about you know the the trade offs. So you've given me a lot to think about, which is good. Well, every situation is unique, and it it, it, it takes some thought. And uh, if you ever uh, want to sit down again for another hour, we can hash that out on a different day. Okay, let's do that. That'll okay. be fun. So. The last question I got for you is cloth color. So lots of different colors and you even have multicolored cloth, I think available, at least in the foam. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, the cloth media, red, blue, black, and green. Those are our four stock colors. Uh, -huh. uh the foam media, uh, red, blue, black, yellow, and green. Those are also the commons, but with foam, we are able to offer other colors like light gray, gray, white, dark green, purple, orange, just you name it. If you gave me a Pantone number, I could produce produce that color of foam for you. It might take 12 weeks to get, but we can yeah. do it. We, we can do it. And then uh, yeah. 
I, I think we've asked you that question before, and we're always I like, think, yeah. We, and, and we never plan 12 weeks in ahead, just to no, let you know. We're, no, neither we're, do we're I. Getting now. Yeah. And so you probably don't sell a lot of that because people, you know, people in the industry don't plan as, or at least I don't plan as well as I probably can. But, but you, you can actually mix colors too. Is that correct? Yeah, we can. We've got a, uh, a foam product that we call confetti. And okay, there it is. Yeah. yeah. You can mix anywhere from two to five colors and uh, comes out looking pretty, pretty cool. It's pretty neat. Yeah. But again, yeah, that is very it, cool. it takes 12 weeks to get it. So yeah. Yeah. So plan ahead. It's more, ahead. it's more of a conversation piece like now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you shy people away from the lighter colors? It seems like those will get more dirty over time than maybe the darker color. We've always got red and blue back and forth. Um, and we do that so that our, our customers see something different in the tunnels. Oh, this, you know, it's, they might not catch it, but they feel like something's different. Right. I think it's very important depending on the location or branding or marketing that you may have in place that you do change your colors when you change your wash media, simply because your customers will see that you've reinvested. They'll feel good about bringing their cars through there because they know that you've got new gear. Um, yeah. as, as far as the colors go, we will do what the customer would like us to do. I will warn, of course, them about the pot potential of a yellow brush per se, getting dirtier quicker than a blue or a darker color foam. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that person is limited to yellow and red because they're a shell station or green yeah. and yellow because they're BP. So in that case, they want to brand the inside of their tunnel, like the outside of their uh, building. So that's pretty much why we have to offer certain colors is for branding yeah. purposes. Good point. Good point. But if you have a choice, we, we would kind of scare people to a little bit more darker color. Possibly. Yeah. The, the, the foam or cloth, it's always blue, then red, then black. Good. Okay. Those are the three big sellers. Good. I haven't tried black yet. I don't know if I will, but I would no. go back for three red and blue, which we <laughs> if like. We, if, we, if we do black with you, David, it's on the bottom of the brush where no one can see it. Okay. Good point. Good point. Well, Ted, this has been fascinating. I can't, I mean, I learned so much. I didn't know what, I didn't know what I'd learned, but I've got a lot of things to think about and a lot of things to consider and a lot of things to do that I didn't, wasn't doing in the past. So this has well, been very fascinating for me, and I appreciate your time on this. And if people want to find out more information about Gallup Brush and what you folks offer, and you, you do garage doors, is that correct? Yeah, we also make high-speed roll-up doors, yes. Okay, okay, yep. so there's another yep. product if you're interested. But they want to find out more information about Gallup and uh, the, family, the family business, where would they go? Uh, they can go to gallopbrush.com, G-A-L-L-O-P-B-R-U-S-H.com. Okay, great, great. Yeah, go there and uh, you can get a hold of Ted and talk to the family and uh, see what you need. So it's been great, Ted. I appreciate the time. It's been great. And uh, let's let's do it again if we've got some more things to talk about. Yep, that's great, David. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you very much. Okay, Ted, thanks. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.